Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. When can the U.S. Department of Education compromise student loan debt? A question on a lot of people's minds. So we dig into it today on the College Investor Audio Show. Thanks for stopping by. The U.S. Department of Education does not have the legal authority to forgive all federal student loans through executive action. However, there are certain limited circumstances in which the U.S. Department of Education can compromise student loan debt on a case-by-case basis. The department can also suspend or terminate collection of defaulted federal student loans. Let's take a look at the compromise authority that's generally limited to three situations in which the debt is uncollectible. The borrower is unable to repay the debt, as opposed to just being unwilling to repay. The cost of debt collection exceeds the potential recoveries, and the debt is legally without merit, casting serious doubt on the ability of the federal government to win a court case concerning the debt. This generally applies to some, but not all, loans that are in default, like the student loan debt of some borrowers who have filed an undue hardship petition in bankruptcy proceedings. However, even though the Department of Education has the flexibility to choose to not oppose an undue hardship petition, they rarely do so, even in circumstances where the borrower will never be able to repay the debt and faces a lifetime of poverty. The Department of Education does, sometimes, settle long-defaulted federal student loans at a discount, The three standard settlement offers include a waiver of collection charges, a waiver of half of the interest that has accrued since the loan went into default, and reducing the outstanding loan balance by 10%. These settlements must be paid in a lump sum by the end of the year and generally exceed the amounts the U.S. Department of Education could collect through wage garnishment and the offset of income tax refunds and Social Security benefit payments the statutory authority of all of this. We discussed the statutory authority in the article and podcast titled, Is Student Loan Forgiveness by Executive Order Legal? Where the President and Secretary of Education do not have the legal authority to implement broad student loan forgiveness, except when specifically authorized by Congress. The Higher Education Act of 1965 provides compromise authority for the Federal Family Education Loan, FFEL program, and for the Federal Perkins Loan program. The preamble to these sections of the Higher Education Act limits the authority of the Secretary of Education to compromise claims to the programs authorized by Congress. The first set of statutory provisions apply to Part B of the Higher Education Act of 1965, which relates to the FFEL program, general powers, and the permanence performance of and with respect to the functions, powers, and duties vested in him by this part. The secretary may enforce, pay, or compromise any claim on or arising because of any such insurance or any guarantee agreement under Section 1078C of this title and enforce pay, compromise, waive, or release any right, title, claim, lien, or demand, however acquired, including any equity or any right of redemption. The second set of statutory provisions apply to Part E of the Higher Education Act of 1965. There will be a quiz at the end of this podcast. 
I'm joking. Well, let's move on. The Money and Finance section of the U.S. Code, enacted in 1982, provides the legal authority for federal agencies to compromise debt owed to the federal government in certain circumstances. These circumstances can include federal education loans, not just federal contracts. The authority to compromise federal student loans most often manifests itself with regard to defaulted federal student loans and bankruptcy discharge of student loans. Federal agencies are required to try to collect a claim of the United States government for money or property arising out of the activities of or referring to the agency. The federal agency is required to take all appropriate steps to collect any delinquent debt before discharging it. These steps include administrative offset, tax refund offset, federal, federal salary offset, referral to private collection contractors, referral to federal agencies that operate a debt collection center, reporting delinquencies and defaults to credit reporting bureaus, wage garnishment, and litigation. However, federal agencies may compromise claims of up to $100,000, not including interest or suspend or end collection of such claims when it appears that no person liable on the claim has the present or prospective ability to pay a significant amount of the claim or the cost of collecting the claim is likely to be more than the amount recovered. This authority does not apply to claims that are fraudulent, false, or misrepresented by a party with an interest in the claim. Now let's talk about regulatory authority. As if that wasn't confusing enough, the regulations that were published in the Federal Register on November 1, 2016, specifies that the U.S. Department of Education relies on the standards um, for decisions concerning these loans made under the Federal Family Education Loan Program, FFELP, William D. Ford, Federal Direct Loan Program, and the Federal Perkins Loan Program. So, the U.S. Department of Education relies on these regulations for deciding when to compromise a debt or suspend or terminate collection of a debt. The regulations laid out in the Standards for the Compromise of Claims and in the Standards for Suspending or Terminating Collection Activity are based on the statutory language at a different law that were published in the Federal Register on November 22nd of the year 2000. So the regulations specify that the authority to compromise debts of $100,000 or less, not including interest penalties and administrative costs, rests with the federal agency while the authority to compromise of debts greater than 100K rests with the U.S. Department of Justice. Offers to compromise debts in excess of 100 grand must be reviewed and recommended by the federal agency before referring them to the U.S. Department of Justice for a decision. The regulation specifies several bases for compromise of debt when the federal government is unable to collect the full amount owed, including when the borrower is unable to repay the full amount of debt within a reasonable time, including through enforced collection proceedings, when the cost of collecting the debt does not justify the enforced collection of the full amount, or when there is significant doubt concerning the federal government's ability to prove its case in court. Let's talk about being unable to repay debt. When determining whether the borrower is unable to repay the debt, federal agencies should consider the age and health of the borrower, the borrower's present potential income, inheritance prospects, the possibility that the borrower has concealed or improperly transferred assets 
and the availability of assets or income through enforced collection proceedings. This information should be verified by the federal agency using credit reports and other financial information, like the borrower's current financial statement showing income, expenses, assets, and liabilities. The cost of collection, we've talked about that quite a bit. Guarantee agencies can decide against opposing an undue hardship petition on an FFELP loan when the expected cost of opposing the discharge petition would exceed one-third of the total amount owed on the loan, including principal, interest, late charges, and collection costs. Otherwise, guarantee agencies are required to oppose the borrower's discharge petition. Guarantee agencies can agree to a partial discharge if this is necessary to obtain a judgment against the borrower on the remainder of the loan. Similar rules apply to the federal Perkins loan program, too. The U.S. Department of Education follows a similar process in the direct loan program, although there are no regulations that require it. In practice, the one-third calculation does not seem to occur, as the cost of litigation often exceeds a third of the average student loan debt that borrowers seek to discharge through an undue hardship petition. The federal government may continue to collect debt, even if the cost of collection exceeds the potential recoveries if this is necessary to demonstrate the federal government's willingness to pursue aggressively defaulting and uncooperative debtors as a deterrent to default by other borrowers. Hmm. Let's talk about compromises. Compromises must bear a reasonable relation to the amount that can be recovered by the enforced collection procedures with regard to the exemptions available to the debtor and the time that collection will take. The amount accepted in compromise may reflect an appropriate discount for the administrative and litigative costs of collection with consideration given to the time it will take to effect collection. When there is significant doubt about the government's ability to prove its case in court, the amount accepted in compromise of such cases should fairly reflect the probabilities of successful prosecution to judgment and should consider court costs and attorney fees, obviously. Generally, compromises must be made in a lump sum and not in installments. Discharge debts must be reported by the federal agency to the IRS. When a debt is discharged, the federal agency must release any liens that secure the debt. Suspension and Termination of Collection Activities Federal agencies may suspend collection of a debt when the agency cannot locate the borrower or the borrower's financial situation is expected to improve. Federal agencies may terminate collection of a debt when the agency cannot locate the borrower, the agency is unable to collect any substantial amount owed, the costs of collection are expected to exceed the potential recoveries, the debt is legally without merit, enforcement of the debt is time-barred by a statute of limitations, the debt cannot be substantiated, or the debt has been discharged in bankruptcy. The statute of limitations on federal student loans was repealed by the Higher Education Technical Amendments of 91. The federal agency should have pursued all appropriate means of collection and determined, based upon the results of the collection activity, that the debt is uncollectible. Termination of collection activity does not preclude the federal agency from resuming collection activity in the future. The federal agency might pursue collection activity in the future if the borrower's financial circumstances change, a new collection tool becomes available, 
or the federal agency is able to offset income or assets that were not available when collection activity was terminated. So, basically, there's no practical difference between the suspension and termination of collection activity. Just different words to make things interesting. Federal agencies may also sell the debt if the sale is in the best interest of the United States. The U.S. Department of Education must first have satisfied the requirements to terminate collection activity. Okay. Well, that was a, a mindful and mouthful at the same time. If you have any questions, if you want to dig in deeper into this, because we understand that's a lot of stuff to pack into a small podcast, you can find this article easy. Go to thecollegeinvestor.com, copy and paste the title of this podcast into the search bar, and you'll find it. And we hope it's helpful, helpful for you in case you or someone you know is going through something like this. We just want to be here to help you. Find it again, thecollegeinvestor.com. We'll talk to you again real soon.